Kia ora e tihoa me te whanau. Welcome, friends and family, to the Candid Kiwi podcast. I'm your host, Melissa, and I am the Candid Kiwi. Kia ora and welcome to my fifth episode. I'm excited to be able to take you on a journey today of 43 years in my life and all of the places that I've lived over those 43 years and a little bit of what was happening in my life over that time period. I decided to do this so that when I have future guests on my show, you'll have a better understanding of where they fit in my life, what time period, kind of what was going on in my life at that time and where I was. I know I have a lot of American listeners that don't really know New Zealand too well, so I figured this might be a good way for you to be able to get to know New Zealand a little bit and get to know me a little bit more as well, and hopefully it'll be able to help you out. I am all about stories and I realize that this podcast is about people's stories. My goal was to let you know about my story as well as letting you know of other stories and us finding connection through that. I can't very well ask my guests to tell their stories without me telling my story as well and so that's why I'm slowly unfolding my story and hoping that it can set a precedent for my future guests to be able to know that they have a safe space here to be able to be vulnerable and to be able to share their truth on the Candid Kiwi But I can't ask that of my guests without me doing it first, hence the reason why I am sharing with you more about who I am and about my story. So thanks for coming and listening. I appreciate you being here. And this is my travels in the last 43 years. Let's go. Welcome to 43 years and the life of this candid Kiwi. I'm glad you're with me and I don't think this should be a super long episode today as I'm just quickly going through the places that I've been so that you can understand a little bit more about where I've come from and whereabouts I've been, like I said, so that when I'm talking to other guests, I can introduce them as being in a section or a part of my life that you can understand after I tell you where I've been. So let's get started. So I was born in a place in New Zealand called Dunedin and Dunedin's in the lower section of the South Island and I was born in the hospital down there and I lived there until I was three years old. My brother and I were both born in Dunedin. My brother was born basically a year later. We were both born in May And my mum said that she would never do that again, and I don't blame her. That means that she would have been pregnant with my brother next to me when I was three months old, which is crazy. But she did it, and we were both born within a year from each other. My my mum had just finished her first year of teaching, and she decided that she was going to work in a photo shop until I was born. Then she stayed at home with me and she's not too sure but she's pretty sure she stayed home with me until she gave birth to my brother because she can't see herself going back out to work after being pregnant and having a three-month-old. Dad was working for an engineering company. He was a boiler maker and he helped build some of the bridges, the steel parts of the bridges that are in Dunedin still to this day. 
So I think that's pretty cool that a part of my dad's work is still in Dunedin and those bridges. And I love that. I think that that's really cool. When uh, Then we moved to Invercargill, a place called Invercargill, and that's basically at the bottom of New Zealand. So New Zealand is three islands, the North Island, the South Island, and Stewart Island. Stewart Island is the very, very bottom of New Zealand. So we were in the bottom of the South Island in a place, like I said, called Invercargill. And I was there from about three to about eight years old. And... Mum and Dad moved us to Invercargill for Dad to work at, in an aluminium smelter there. He got a good job and Rio Tinto owned that, surprisingly. I didn't know that. I talked to my mum to get help for the first few years of where we moved and why because obviously I was a baby and I was little and I don't remember. And so this is what she was telling me which I thought was pretty cool. Mum and Dad moved into what was called a youth hostel and they were there for a while and I remember that youth hostel as a kid actually and what it was is it's the same as here. It was a hostel where people, backpackers came and stayed for a night or two or three nights and Mum and Dad looked after the place and looked after them and we lived in a house that was um, connected to the hostel and my mum had two more kids while they were uh, looking after the youth hostel. My brother Gareth and my sister Sarah, not in that order actually, reversed. Sarah was next and then Gareth came after that. So my mum was busy, really busy. It's amazing. But she basically always worked. She didn't stay home for too much time. Anyway, so then they moved into another house and... We call it the yellow house. I don't know if you do that growing up. If you Maybe you've never moved and so you just have one house. We moved all the time and so we would call our houses different names so that when we're talking about it as siblings, we know which houses we're talking about. And so this one is called, we call it the yellow house and it was on Islington Street in Invercargill. And it was actually a lime house to begin with, but mum and dad completely redid it up. They did revamped the front yard they painted the house yellow yellow is my dad's favorite color and so consequently yellow means a lot to me because now I don't have my dad and so this is why I have part of the reason why I have yellow for my graphics introducing my episodes on social media that April does for me so that means that's pretty special to me again I'm grateful for April for doing that for me and so we were in this yellow house. It was a beautiful house. Dad was at the aluminum smelter. But Dad, he was bored with the smelter. He had a lot of um, downtime there. He actually got into a massive amount of trouble for painting one of their cranes purple one night. And he actually got in more trouble, Mum told me, than a guy that unlocked a piece of equipment and stole it dad got in more trouble than that dude for painting the crane purple I don't know man I think purple's a pretty cool color anyway so suffice it to say my dad was bored and so and I think night shifts were killing him and so he realized that he wanted to be a teacher and so when I was around nine years old we moved back to Dunedin and that's when my dad decided that he was going to go to university and he was going to train to be a teacher. 
Now in New Zealand we have, back in the old days when I was in New Zealand, we have, we called it standards at school instead of year one, year two was standard one, standard two. So I was standard four at this time, which would be equivalent to probably grade five in America. And so I spent those three years in Dunedin as a fifth grader, sixth grader and a seventh grader. In New Zealand, we call it um, primary school, then intermediate, and intermediate is two years, and then we have high school, and high school is um, five years. And then, so I was there in Dunedin, loved it, good mates, had a great time in New Zealand. Dad struggled um, uh, at university, it was tough for him, my mum helped him a ton, and but I was living the dream. Actually though, Dunedin was our poorest we had been, Dunedin is where we used to live in a burnt out house and because it was what my mum and dad could afford and my mum was working a little bit to help but I mean there was a ton of us and they didn't have much money, you know what I mean and so mum always said that the reason why we weren't sick much in Dunedin was because of the holes in the walls and the wind whistling th through that was keeping fresh air in our rooms at nights. I kind of see it in a different light. I'm sure mum says that to, so she doesn't feel bad. bad. <laughs> but the bottom part of the house was burned and so that made it um, that made it cheap. I remember we had a goat and a dog and I remember one of our neighbours used to come over and periodically headbutt the goat to maybe see how much of a man he was. The rest of us thought he was an idiot, but whatever, he was entertaining. We also lived next door to a biker gang, and they used to hang their beer cans up on their front tree as decorations. So it was actually featured in the news one time. We lived beside them. They were really, really good to us. They were really good. They always helped when we needed fundraisers and stuff. They weren't a big deal to us at all. They were actually really good neighbours. So that's what I remember about those three years in Dunedin. Dad got his degree and then they decided to move back to Invercargill. So we've got Dunedin, Invercargill, Dunedin, Invercargill. And I was roughly 13 years old and I was ready to start high school in New Zealand. Over here, like I said, schools are different and the way we do it are different in America. But that's how we did it in New Zealand. Mum and Dad had decided that they were going to move back to Invercargill because they wanted to us kids to get close to um, their parents. So they wanted us to get close to our grandparents. It worked for my mum's dad. We got close to him. Um, he was a strange man and he has a lot to answer for. But he was also brought up really really hard in a hard hard life that's a story for another time but suffice it to say that as a kid I loved my grandfather he gave us peanuts and soda stream does anyone remember what soda streams are <laughs> we love those man he let us make soda streams and he took us in and he showed us a good time and so we loved him of course we were kids and if anyone and if anyone wanted to look after us and show us a good time, we were willing, you know what I mean? And he was willing and he was our granddad, so we got to know him. And So it worked in that area. My dad's, my dad's parents, excuse me though, it didn't work with them. They didn't really want anything to do with us. And so dad would take, for starters, they didn't want all of us coming over. They didn't want that. And then they 
if dad did come over he would bring one to two of us I remember they had a really cool English garden in the back that we'd run around in and dad would catch up with them they would kind of talk to us but not much they weren't interested in us I remember me and my younger brother were walking uptown and I saw them and I said hi granddad and he basically looked the other way and ignored us my younger brother said who was that and I was like that's your grandparents so that didn't really work out with my dad's parents they didn't really uh weren't interested in getting to know us so it kind of half worked out moving back to Invercargill to have a relationship with the grandparents and it kind of didn't too but back in Invercargill we um I spent my time at high school at an all-girls school that's where I went to an all-girls school for the next four years and it was a good school, you know, like when I tell people that I went to an all-girls school over here, they're like, what? And then we all wore uniforms, like once you start intermediate and high school, you wear uniforms and everyone over here is like, what? That sucks. But actually when you're brought up with that, it's not a big deal at all. You know what I mean? You know what you're going to wear every day. Everyone's on the same page, you know, and it's not actually a big deal at all. I think it's a big deal to people over here because they don't wear uniforms and they think it's oppressive and stuff but it's actually not it's actually just fine you know so high school was pretty good I was a good student but then I decided that I wanted to go to Church College of New Zealand now this was a church school I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints we're commonly known as Mormons and so there was a Mormon school in Hamilton that is closed now but was open for a very very long time it started with uh, Maori making the school as missionaries and it was a sacred place and they put a lot of hard work into that and so it was opened mostly for Maori to be able to attend school and gain an education and it was fantastic for a lot of uh, Maori people I am not Māori but obviously the school was open to white people too and so that's when I decided that I wanted to go. My mum was cool with it, my dad wasn't cool with it, he went to boarding school himself and he hated it and so he didn't want me to endure through boarding school. I told him I'd be okay and he said that the second that I don't like it he'd be the first one there to come and bring me home but I stuck it out and so... I was there for a year for my senior year so for my last year of high school uh, how that year was for me at that school is time is another a whole nother episode it was one of the hardest years of my entire life to date but it was also worth it for what I got out of it so look forward to me talking about that some other time I stayed in Hamilton and I attended university there and Hamilton is in the North Island so my family were in the South Island in Invercargill and I was in the North Island in Hamilton so that was a long long way away and so I didn't get to go home I was 15 and I didn't get to go home and see my parents only for uh, Christmas and so that was really that was kind of a big deal you know and so my parents eventually moved up while I finished my senior year and started going to university I stayed in the dorms there were university dedicated dorms at church college that I could live in which I did while I attended university for four years and in between 
my parents living in Invercargill and me attending university, they decided to move up to the North Island. And they moved up to a little, little place called Aria. And Aria had 12 houses, a pub and a post office and a whole lot of wild turkeys. My dad had decided to get a job as a principal at the school at Aria and mum taught there too and it was dad and mum and dad taught as well and it was great. I was training to be a teacher in Hamilton and I would come home to Aria and I would help um, substitute or relief teach we call it in New Zealand there. Mum helped me to, um, mum taught me the ways of teaching because she's brilliant. I remember one time I taught her class uh, verbs and nouns and I totally messed it up because English isn't my strong point. I guess I've passed that down to my son on a side tangent just wrote down that the subject he hates the most is English and so maybe it runs in our blood. But anyway I taught them nouns and verbs wrong and I came home and I told my mum what I taught them and she was horrified. She was like Melissa that's not what a noun and a verb is. And I was like, uh-oh. And so the next day I showed up and I'm like, hey, so yesterday I taught you guys nouns and verbs, but I tricked you guys. Do you guys know what the trick was? And they're like, yeah, you were wrong. And I was like, good job. Way to get the trick. <laughs> so instead of being honest, I said it was a trick. I've uh, grown since then and I own up to my mistakes, but I didn't own up to it to those five-year-olds that day, that's for sure. So they were in Aria for a couple of years and then while I was still at university in Hamilton they moved to a place called Tokoro and that's where my mum is right now and Tokoro was 12,000 to 15,000 people back then. It's right smack dab in the middle of the North Island basically it's close to Taupo, it's close to Rotorua, it's close to Hamilton, it's close to Matamata where the Lord of the Rings are hobbits houses and so it's a real good place to be because it's real close to everything you know it's got some good mountain biking there too and so they decided to move there for a job. This is where my dad started, this is around when my dad started getting depression and this is the, around the time while I was about uh, 17, 18, 19, 20 when my dad started acting kind of funny and things started kind of going downhill. And this is the period where my dad took his life and... So people in Tokoroa remember who my dad is and that's why Tokoroa always have a special place in my heart because they knew my dad and that means everything to me. Those were, those were tough years. That was a tough time. They weren't tough years. That was just a tough moment in my life. And so I decided that I was going to serve a mission for my church and after my father had passed away I um my brother and I had decided that that's what we were going to do and so I left so in our church you submit your papers saying that you want to serve a mission and then what they do is they you wait for an answer and they tell you where you're going in the world I was hoping for America ironically 
and uh, I got Brisbane, Australia. I'm not going to lie, I was pretty gutted when I opened it and got Australia. First thing that came into my head was, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to learn to love the Australians. <laughs> so New Zealand and Australia have a love-hate relationship. We're like brother sisters. We love each other to the death, but we also mock each other mercilessly and both tease each other that our country is way better than the other country when it comes to everything. And so to be called to go to Brisbane, Australia would humble me because I'd be knocking on doors asking Aussies, do they want to hear about Jesus? And they, uh, most of them didn't. <laughs> but they did like to share jokes with me about being a Kiwi so that was fun <laughs> my brother um, he got sent to Japan and that's where Drew comes into it my husband and he met Drew there and was companions with Drew there that is also for a, a story for another time but this is when this was all happening was around this time when I was on my mission in Brisbane after I finished my mission in Brisbane, I tell you what, before I move on from Brisbane, I got to tell you, if you want to visit Brisbane, the best time to visit it is in their winter, which is American summer. That's the best time to go. Now, New Zealand isn't the best time to go in our winter. You'll have a tragic visit. But if you want to go down under, Brisbane's the place to go, mate, because their winters are phenomenal. Now, I've never sweated as much in my life as what I did on my mission in Brisbane. The humidity is about 130,000%. And have you ever lived in a place where you took a shower and then you got out of the shower and towed yourself off and then immediately you were wet again? <laughs> that was my time in Brisbane. That was my time in Brisbane. It was good for me, man. I learned a ton. I learned to keep my mouth shut. I learned to love Australians. And I learned how to get along with people that I didn't necessarily like. It was really growing period in my life. And it was fantastic for me. It was definitely the right decision. Then after my mission, I came back to Tokoro where my mum was, of course. And I um, got a job. I got a job there as a permanent sub, if that makes sense. So sometimes when a teacher... Um, has a baby or if they have to they want some time off to write a paper or something then you get a relief teacher to come in and teach for a term New Zealand school system has uh, it used to have three but now it has four 10-week terms and it starts in January and it finishes in December you go for 10 weeks on two weeks off 10 weeks on two weeks off and so forth if that makes sense and so I got a job teaching for a term and then um and have been teaching on and off after I went to university in Hamilton before my mission and after my mission as well. And I had also decided that uh, I was going to um, travel the world. I was going to travel the world. I had plans. I had money that I was saving. I mean, I was making good money for a single person living at home with her mum. And... I was going to go to England, Europe, I was going to go to America, obviously back to Aussie to see the mates that I've made and discover more of Australia and I was going to go to Jerusalem and Egypt, I had it all figured out, I had a five year plan and I met Drew and 
I'd only managed to go to one of the places that was on my list and that was America and ironically now I live here so who knew that I should have probably went somewhere else. But starting off my trip to America is what found me Drew and Drew helped me to be able to come over to the States. I stayed with him for a little bit and the rest is history. Like I said, I'll let you know more about how that happened. But consequently, that is when I moved from Tokoroa over to Bountiful, Utah. And what a shocker that was. Can I just tell you that? What a shocker. For the first four months, I was in denial. I was having nightmares that Drew was trying to kill me. Um, I thought if I embraced anything American, I was being a traitor to my country. It was a tough time for me. <laughs> I knew that I loved Drew and I knew that I wanted to be with him and he was great. You know what I mean? He was, he was really great and we made it work obviously. We're still together. But that was a rough period for me living in Bountiful. We lived close to his parents and Drew worked for his father. That was hard on us. And then he um, went to university as well. So he was working full-time and almost and at um, school full-time. You know, just like the same story as anyone else. It's just busy, you know, and you're young and married. And I was teaching. I got myself a job there. And I tell you what, within the first month of me being, two months of me living in America, 9-11 happened <laughs> my mom calls me at um her she was five o'clock in the morning for her and she's like what the hell have you gotten yourself into and I was like I don't know mom it's all imploding <laughs> I just got myself a job and America was under attack it was crazy I was like holy crap so things settled down after that a little bit though and obviously I stayed and we lived in Bountiful for seven years and Drew continued to work for his dad which we were, don't get me wrong, we were really grateful to be able to work for his father, you know what I mean? But it was, it's tough working for family, what can I say, you know? Um, and I had my baby, my first baby Masaru uh, during this uh, time in Bountiful and my daughter Yuki in this time when I was living in Bountiful and then dad decided that he was going to Drew excuse me their dad decided that he wanted to go to law school and so we had that this was Bountiful was also a place where I we bought our first house as well and we had lived in there for five years we decided to go to law school and Drew applied for a bunch of different places and he ended up applying for one place in particular called Moscow, Idaho and their law school is the University of Idaho College of Law and he decided that he would go there because Idaho allowed him to become a resident after a year and it was pretty cheap. Um, and so we were way stoked about that. And so we rented our house out to some atrocious renters. They were horrible. This is why Drew and I don't want to go into being landlords again. Um, 
renters always like to cry foul from their landlords and after being a landlord I realized well I'm not going to believe any every renter that says that their landlord sucks because I've been a landlord and some renters suck let's just put that out there mate just pay your rent man clean the bathroom once a week holy moly and so we went up to Moscow now I was about 30 years old and uh, we went up there and Drew started law school and I tell you what it was pretty crazy up there we went in the car and we packed up all of our stuff and we moved to Moscow and we come into Moscow and there was nothing to see and I was like what have we gotten ourselves into and we moved into an apartment and <laughs> we started living our lives man in this place and Moscow was a tough time in a different way it was good to be away from Drew's family and it was good to start living our own lives by ourselves without anyone with us and that um, developed our relationship in a better way and then but it was tough on Drew Drew had been in construction his whole life and all of a sudden he was a pencil pusher you know what I mean at school just studying all day every day and that was hard that was hard on his spirit and I was you know elbows deep in children not really knowing what I was doing there trying to do the best that I could these sweet sweet children and so that's where we were for two years of our life trying to make that work and that after that two years we um, took a trip across the country we went from Moscow down to Boise Idaho um, and then across the country we saw the mountain with the president's faces on it what's that called Mount Rushmore and we went across and we, the country and we saw um, Nebraska there's I tell you what it wasn't too much to see there apart from corn now you can correct me if I'm wrong but I didn't see much but in Nebraska's defense we just drove through it and stayed in a hotel we got to see Chicago, we got to see Niagara Falls, we got to see some Latter-day Saint Church things and we stayed in Quebec, Canada with our Aussie mates that were living up there for a month. Wasn't that cool of them? Shout out to the Kiburis. And they, Andrew did an um, internship up there for a school to further his education up there and it was awesome. But we had decided after living two years in Moscow, they had opened up a third year program in Boise and we had decided to get out of Moscow and to go to Boise for our last year and then our plan was to go back to Utah. I have made some good friends in Moscow. One of my best friends is from Moscow and I had made, excuse me, in Moscow. She's from Boise. And so I'm really glad for my time there. I don't miss it though and I would never live there. No offense to the people that love uh, Moscow, Idaho and think that their life is fantastic up there. No arguments from me. I think that um, you love where you live and Moscow is not a place I want to live. But I'm grateful for the people that I met and for the time that we were, had there. And so after our American trip, we moved to Boise and we had a rental here in Boise and our friends, the Blazards, who were brought up here, um, they told us to move to 
a certain part of Boise and so we did and we've never left. We bought a house here now in Boise in the same area a couple of blocks away from where we rented and we love it. And this is where we are right now and this is where I've lived for the last 10 years. So I moved to Boise when I was 33 and now I'm 43. I can't even believe it that I've been in Boise for 10 years and that I'm this old. But <laughs> I had my last child here in Boise and she is 8 years old now. She's about to turn 9 soon and that was my last uh, child. My third child I had in Moscow after the first year but he was born in Utah because he was born in summer of that year and in the summers we would go back and Drew would find jobs in the summers and we would live with his parents and so for that particular summer excuse me the next summer we were gone over doing a, a American trip and so my third son my third child second son Takeshi was actually born in Utah even though we were living in Moscow at the time and so Boise is where we are right now and Boise is where we will stay unless New Zealand offers us a job. Um, we've looked at moving but Drew has to do another year of school in New Zealand and I don't know what we would do for that year. You know, like where would we live? We wouldn't have any money, you know. And Drew's just built a shop out here and so we wouldn't want to sell this house here. So I don't know what the future holds for us, but Boise seems to be the place where we're going to be and for a little while at least and have been here for a little while. A lot's happened in uh, Boise um, with owning another house and the shop and having another child and Drew getting his uh, graduating from law school and getting his uh, first job and at um, Simplot and he loves it there and we love it. Uh, that he loves it there too and they treat him really well so that is all the places that I've lived and so hopefully when I start um, having conversations with people from New Zealand and Australia and here in Boise as well as maybe some people in Moscow and Utah I'll be able to quickly tell you that I know this person from this part of my life and now that you've listened to this podcast you will this fifth episode you'll have a better understanding of where these people uh, are in my life and what was happening in that part of my life and where they fit in that so I hope that this helps you to know a little bit more of who I am and where I've come from I our family was pretty much a gypsy family we moved around a ton and with my personality it didn't matter because I made friends pretty easy even though it was hard I still made friends pretty easy and so it didn't really affect me too much I don't think but I know that probably for maybe my siblings it was hard maybe harder on them I'm not sure we'd have to ask them but it worked out I'm proud of my parents for doing what they felt was right and for moving us where they feel as if they needed to be I don't think it was uncalculated I think they thought 
thought about it a lot and moved us where they felt was the right place to be. I don't have any resentment towards my parents for all of our moves. I loved every place that I was in. I understand why they moved us and had good times in each and every place, especially for the last part of my life where it was up to us to decide where we were going to move. And there's always a reason why you move there and I don't regret any of those moves either. Each place taught me something that I've taken with me in my life as an experience that's helped me to empathize with others and to learn and grow from those experiences. So thanks for joining me and being with me. I appreciate it. I appreciate uh, you listening and being with me, especially those people that have listened to all of the episodes so far. I hope that... um, I hope to give you more people and more stories in the future so that we can connect and you can learn more about other humans and who they are and some of the things that make them happy and that they've learned from and maybe some of the things that have made them sad as well. So until next time, kakite anō, aui koutou.